Well, tonight, a very simple question. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Uh, come with me to John chapter 1. We're going to wend our way through John's gospel. We're going to be like swallows just skimming the surface. But let's begin. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It says, John, in the beginning, before time was, in the beginning, before creation was, in the beginning was the Word, the Word who is with God and the Word who is himself God, the Word through whom all things were made, the Word, the Logos, the ultimate reality, the fire that burns behind the universe, the second person of the Godhead, the uncreated Son of God, the Word. I love you. Words reveal things. Well, the Word is the revealer of God. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. It's time to go. Words change things. Well, the word has come to ring the ultimate change and to bring us back to God. In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the eternal God became a man without ceasing to be God, bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. And Jesus is his name. So do you want to know more about Jesus? Here are two slightly awkward young men. They're shuffling around, they're within Jesus' view. Jesus has provoked their curiosity. They want to know more. So Jesus says to them, come and see. The invitation to know him better. It's the same invitation he extends to you tonight. Do you want to know more about Jesus? It's a family's big day. It's, a, it's their wedding day. But this great family occasion is turning into a nightmare because the wine has run out. And so what does Jesus do? He turns water into wine, the very best wine, 200 gallons of it. The extravagance, the, the generosity, just the sheer kindness of what he does. And he does it all when they least expect it. Water into wine. Jesus cares. It matters to him. He cares about families. He cares about your family. So do you want to know more about Jesus? Here's the temple in Jerusalem. We now move to chapter 2 of John's Gospel. It's under corrupt leadership there is a self-serving elite who are deaf to the needs of the people. 
and the court of the Gentiles, this particular area in the temple, has been turned into a marketplace. And you begin to realize the whole place, what is supposed to be the holiest place in all the world, the center where heaven and earth meet, you realize the whole place is rotten and it's not fit for purpose. And as you look on the scene, you think, will no one take charge? Will no one put things right? After making a whip of cords, John chapter 2, verse 15, Jesus drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables, and he told those who sold pigeons, take away, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Witness the scene. Jesus with a, a righteous anger, with fire in his eyes, with a resolute step, and with a holy violence. He single-handedly cleanses the temple. And as you watch, he is awesome, unstoppable. Will anyone stop him? No one dares to stop him. And as his disciples look on, the disciples remember that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for your houses has eaten me up. Are you fed up with the way things are? You think of only someone with real leadership, courage, authority, would take hold of this broken world and put things right. So do you want to know more about Jesus? He is a respected intellectual. He is the teacher in Israel. He's the one to sort out all your religious questions. If you want to know, you go to him. You go to Nicodemus. But he has an ache because he himself has so many unanswered questions. So he comes to Jesus by night with those questions. And Jesus cuts through it all. He says, Nicodemus, it's not more learning that you need. It's not more answers to your questions. What you need, Nicodemus, is transformation. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, with your great intellect, you will never see, you will never know until you're born again, until the Spirit of God comes up, comes to take residence in you, to give you a new life, real life, the life of God. And when that happens, Nicodemus, then you really will see. Unanswered questions? Are you serious-minded? You really want to know? So do you want to know more about Jesus? Here's a, a world-weary woman. She's disappointed. She's messed up. She's got a string of, of failed relationships, and uh, she's in a desert, desert place, but as you look at her, her life is a desert, and she's unsatisfied, she's thirsty, she's lost, she's looked for meaning 
for satisfaction, for fulfillment in marriage, in sex, in intimacy. But it's been a disaster. There have been five failed marriages, and she's given up on marriage and is with partner number six. Nothing seems to last. The thought must be going round in her head, does anything real? Does anything matter? She's just so thirsty, thirsty for meaning, thirsty for something that's real, reality, satisfaction. Maybe she should just give up. Maybe you can identify with that. But then she meets with Jesus. And she thinks she knows everything about men. But she's never met a man like Jesus. And he says to her, Everyone who drinks of this water, talking about the water that's in the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. And Jesus does. He gives to her liquid life, that which truly quenches her thirst. And it's so thirst-quenching, so satisfying, so overflowing. It's like an everlasting cool glass of water on a hot, dry, dusty day. Are you thirsty? Do you want to know more about Jesus? Here's a man who spent the last 38 years watching the world go by. Along comes Jesus, John chapter 5, verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. 38 years, watching the world go by, along comes Jesus. What does he say to him? Get up. It's the same word that, that describes resurrection. It's a resurrection word. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Maybe you feel you've just been wasting your life. The years have passed and they just go on and nothing really changes. You're in a rut. You watch the world go by. It's the same old routines. It's the same excuses. It's the same old faces. And Jesus comes to you tonight. He says, do you want to get up? Jesus raises us to a new life. There's resurrection in his words, a new life with new possibilities, a new direction, a new trajectory, a new destination, a new me. So do you want to know more about Jesus? To the hungry... Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. To the thirsty, Jesus says, 
If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Are you living with a guilty secret? It's a man called David, successful career. It was a perfect summer's day. The sun was out, the sky was blue. It's a Saturday, beautiful weather. Everyone was outside enjoying the weather. He could hear the noise of families and chatter and all that was going on. But, but David had closed the shutters. He turned off the lights. And from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., he'd been scrolling through pornographic websites. In David's words, mindless, lonely, pathetic. In the moment... We think that the pleasures of sin are real, but it's a lie. Sin is joyless, dark, dehumanizing. And yet, knowing that, there's something about it that we can't just seem to break free. So hear the voice of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So do you want to know more about Jesus? You see, the fundamental sin of the human race, of you and me and everyone, is that we think that the things that God has made are more real, more satisfying, more fulfilling than the God who made them. So instead of worshipping the God who made everything, the God who made me, what do we do? We worship godlets, petty gods. Now, some godlets are respectable. Education, culture, family, church, health, retirement, society. Some godlets are shameful. Greed, violence, drunkenness, immorality, racism. Some godlets are big, like the planet, or nations, colour, politics, philosophy, money. Some godlets are trivial, sport, celebrity, body image, gaming. What godlets do you worship? Not difficult to find out. What do you reverence? Where do you run when you're sad? What do you look for satisfaction? What is it that captures your time, your money, your energy, your thought life? What is it that sense that it makes today worth living? And we think these petty gods, these goddesses will make us happy. We feel that if I have them, if I have more of them, then I'll have life to the full. But it's a lie, says the Bible. It's the ultimate lie. To worship as God what is not God is sin. It's the ultimate sin. It's the root sin of the human race from which every other sin flows. And it diminishes us. It deconstructs our humanity. And in the end, it destroys us. And God hates it. And God buries it in hell. So hear the voice of Jesus. 
the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus gives life to the full, more real, more substantial, more satisfying than any petty God. So do you want to know more about Jesus? And the abundant life that he gives is the life that can never die. It can never be taken away. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then to illustrate the point, John chapter 11, he raises Lazarus from the dead because not even death puts you beyond the sound of his voice or the grip of his hand. So do you want to know more about Jesus? And so we move to the upper room. John chapter 13, we now move to the hours before the cross. And what do we find? We find the Lord of glory gets his hands wet and dirty, washing his disciples' feet. Because here is the humble God. Here is the servant king. And how far will he go to make the unclean clean? Well, we move from the upper room to a garden. The garden called Gethsemane. A garden outside Jerusalem. And therefore, because it's outside of Jerusalem and they cross the brook Kidron, they're a distance And the sounds of the city are mellowed by the distance. But now in the garden there's another sound. It's the sound of marching and the clatter of armor and the murmuring of voices which is getting louder and louder. The sound of many voices. And now the darkness of the garden is being illuminated by lanterns and torches. And the light is flooding the garden. And through those flickering torches, we witness the scene. And the Roman soldiers and temple police and leading the way, Judas Iscariot. And they've come to arrest Jesus of Nazareth. And then we come to the moment itself. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas who betrayed them, Judas who betrayed him was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men, let my disciples go. In the original language, Jesus simply answers, I am. So he says to them, whom do you seek? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. All he actually says is, I am. 1,500 years before, Moses asked God what was his name. God's answer is that God said, my name is I am. 
I am who I am. I am myself, the God who is. The God who does not change, the God you can't put a label on. I am who I am. He tells Moses, go and tell them, the children of Israel, that I am has sent you. Well, now here in the garden, we see his true identity. The Word made flesh. Whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. We see the Godness of God in the face of Jesus of Nazareth. And before those flickering torches stands the light of the world. Did they realize when Jesus said to them, I am he, or I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. In that moment, there was that awesome display of his deity. For a split second, the veil was removed and they found themselves face to face with the Word. And this small army is overcome. They stumble backwards. They, they fall to the ground. In the beginning was the Word. But here He is in the garden. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I need you to use your imagination. On this page, on this Bible, is a full stop. In fact, it's lots of full stops, but just one for the moment. A full stop. Imagine that full stop is the sun. By comparison, our earth is 1.3 million times smaller than the sun. Which means that if the full stop is the sun, then our earth by comparison is like a, a little microscopic speck of dust on the page. If the full stop is the sun, then this page is our solar system. Okay, we're doing comparisons, aren't we? I hope, <laughs> hope you worked that out. Um, the page is, is the solar system. All right. Hope you're still with me. If you drop this page in the Pacific Ocean, that is how big our galaxy is compared to our solar system. And remember, our sun is just a full stop on the page. And our Earth is 1.3 million times smaller still. Pacific Ocean, the biggest ocean. So, drop that in the Pacific Ocean, our solar system in the galaxy. So how many galaxies are there? Well, they think there's between 100 and 200 billion galaxies. A billion, a thousand million. Oh, so, so think of it, out of 100 to 200 billion Pacific Oceans, our solar system is one page, the sun is one full stop, and our Earth is one microscopic speck. And who made all that? The Word. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So you begin to see how infinitely great is the Word to make every galaxy, billions of galaxies, to speak them into existence by the Word of His power. 
And yet we have to say how greater still is the Word, the Word who became flesh, who became a man, to walk upon this tiny speck on this planet and to leave his footprints on the shores of Galilee. And then you have to say greater still is that here he is in that moment. They see something of the word. This little army falls backwards. They're powerless before him. But what does he do? He surrenders himself into their hands. They've come to arrest him, but he will surrender himself to them to save his people from sin and death and hell. It's not as it were by going out and getting greater and greater and greater that we see the wonder and greatness of the Word. It is by getting pulling it in smaller and smaller and smaller that He should come to such a world as this, to people such as us, to come to our rescue. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So do you want to know more about Jesus? And so to the cross. They took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him. How far will he go to rescue a fallen, broken, dying humanity? He will go all the way to the cross. He will not spare himself any humiliation, heartbreak, betrayal, suffering to save us from the ruin we brought upon ourselves, to save us from our sins, and to bring us back to God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But here on the cross, the ultimate somebody becomes the ultimate nobody. And he does all that love could do to rescue us from the choices that we have made. Choices that have taken us so far from God. Choices where we worship the created rather than the creator. Choices which bring down upon us the very wrath of God. And so he goes to that cross where his body is broken and his blood is shed. I have wronged God. You know that. I know that. We all know that about ourselves. We've wronged God. The Bible says there's a price to pay. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, eternal punishment in that other place. But here now on the cross... My sins are hung around his neck. And he's plunged into the hell that I deserve. He dies that punishing death for sin that I deserve to die. So whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. My sins nail him to the cross. And yet it's by that cross my sins are taken away. No one has ever loved me as he has loved me. So do you want to know? 
more about Jesus. And beyond the cross, the third day, the third day when he rose from the dead, never more to die. And his first words to his fearful disciples, peace, peace be with you. And then a week later, when there's that meeting with the arch-skeptic Thomas, who says, I'm not going to believe. Dead men don't rise. I'm not going to believe in any risen Jesus unless I have irrefutable proof. Well, Jesus gives him the proof he demands. Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We haven't even touched, have we, on his ascension and his coronation. And here is this, here he is, the God-man, this world's rightful ruler. And says the Bible, he's coming again. He's coming again soon. And like swallows, we've just skimmed the surface. We begin to realize that this Jesus is surpassingly wonderful. The Word, the Logos, became flesh, full of grace and truth, meekness and majesty, gentle and lowly, the King of love, the Lord of glory, the one who alone is worthy. The end of all our searchings the absolute, the ultimate, the way, the truth, the life, more real, more substantial, more satisfying than anything we'll ever see or touch. Do you want to know more about Jesus? It's time to close. Maybe you want to know more, but you don't know where to begin. Well, a good place to begin is where we've been through the message, John's Gospel. Here is John's eyewitness account. He was the man closest to Jesus. And it gradually dawned on John that here was the living God walking on this little speck of a planet. This microscopic speck, he began to see who this one is. So, there's some John's Gospels. Maybe you think, I don't know where to begin. Well, begin here, read it. And ask God, say, I want to know more about this Jesus. Read the full story. Maybe you want to know more, but it's uncomfortable, you know? He's the light of the world, isn't he? And what does light do? It exposes It exposes the darkness. It exposes my darkness. The nearer I get to Jesus, the more there is this this pure, penetrating, brilliant light that, that somehow, like a searchlight, searches, scans my heart. And the thing is, when because we're sinners, we shrink back. But his first thought is not to condemn. First thought is to save. 
Maybe you want to know, but, you know, sin is attractive. The world's inviting. Um, there are lots of other possibilities out there. Maybe you feel, well, you know, I'm a bit, bit young. I want to do a bit of living first. And then when I'm older, then I'll, maybe I'll start thinking about Jesus. And what does Jesus say to you? He says, he says you're too easily satisfied. Remember what he said to the woman at the well? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus, you're too easily satisfied. You are happy to have the water from the well, or the water from whatever it is, and what will happen? You'll be thirsty again. You'll be thirsty again. You'll be thirsty again. So why settle for less? Why settle for that which will give you temporary relief, but you'll still be thirsty? But what Jesus offers is overflowing, abundant, satisfying life. Maybe you want to know more about Jesus. And maybe you've learned a great deal. And maybe you've grown up in a Christian home. Or maybe you've been coming here for some time and it's beginning to dawn on you, and you think, yes, 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 yes. I do want to know. I want more of Jesus. Everything I've discovered about him, in his word, talking to his people, being around them, I begin to see, I begin to see. I do want him, and I want more of him. Well, tonight, call to him. He's brought you here to hear this message. He's in the preaching. You've heard the preacher, but it's Jesus who's speaking to you. So maybe do what you've never done before. And let's speak directly to him. Say, Lord, I I really have messed up. And I can't put any of this right. But I understand. I understand that you died on that cross to save messed up condemned sinners. Well, I'm a messed up, condemned sinner. So, Lord, save me. Forgive me for all the bad stuff I've done. And change me so that I know more and more about Jesus. You could come to know him this very night. He's come to meet you in the preaching. In the preaching, he spreads his arms wide. So run into them tonight. Maybe you already know him. And you want to know him more. But maybe you've yet to break cover. When we have our baptisms, we ask two questions, don't we? Are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sin? Are you willing to do whatever he commands you? And tonight you can say to both those questions, yes, I'm trusting in Jesus to save me from my sins. And yes, I'm willing to do whatever he commands me. So you're ready to be baptized. Maybe it's time you broke cover. Maybe it's time you were baptized to say that this Jesus is mine. Do you want to know more about Jesus? 
John says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have skated over these things, but Lord, everything we've seen of your Son tells us that he is surpassingly wonderful, altogether lovely. And Lord, you know our reluctance, you know the barricades we erect, you know we weave and we duck, but we pray, Lord, tonight that you would come to us in overtures of grace and kindness. You would speak to us in that still, small voice, that gentle, winsome voice. And that, Lord, you would bring us irresistibly, that we might truly, for the first time, come to know him who is life itself, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.